0: Great to uh, great to just have a chance to share the, the word with you tonight. So I hope you brought your Bibles, whether that's in paper version or on your phone. I'd encourage you to, to get them out. Uh, and go to the book of Philippians, if you can, just to give you some time to find uh, that place. I hope that you came tonight just to hear his voice. I hope that that's kind of what you're listening for tonight, because... His voice, all it takes is one word from Him, and uh, your life can be profoundly changed. And really, that's where we should be, that our, our heart's desire is to, is to know Him, to know His voice, to hear His voice, that God, you, you, I want, I want to, to know what you desire for me. And so uh, tonight, you know, just to be honest, sometimes I have a good idea of... Um, for weeks in advance of what we're going to talk about, we'll start a series, and, and uh, I'll know, hey, we're, this is what we're going to talk about for the next three, four, five weeks. Uh, and then there's times where I'm like, I just don't have a sweet clue. I, I, have, I, I have zero idea. And uh, those, are, those are the really stressful ones. Those are the ones where you're like, oh, man, like, I, hope I, I hope I know by Thursday. Uh, oh, man, it's Thursday. I hope I know by Friday. Uh, it's Friday. Oh, man, I, I hope I know by Saturday, right? Like, today's Saturday. I hope I know by six o'clock, right? <laughs> and you know what I found? You know, like, I found that sometimes when those types of things have happened, it used to stress me out like crazy. And then I just realized simply, some of those times it's just time to put my own heart uh, before the Lord. It's just time to just study his word. To, his word is, is uh, all of it is good. All of it is useful for teaching and instruction. Sometimes it doesn't have to be this, like, this is the profound word of the Lord for today. But I do believe that, that anytime we open our hearts to his word, it is the word of the Lord for today. And so my my question and, and hope for you is, do you ever take time to just slow down and say, you know what, I'm just going to just dig into your word, Lord. I just want to hear your voice. I hope that's a daily thing. And so today, today, my prayer is, Lord, would you work in us, that you might work through us, whatever it is that you desire. And so we're going to look at Philippians. Maybe this is a series. Maybe this is a one-off. I don't know, but so challenged by um, the content of this uh, of this uh, book that we're just going to hop in right at the beginning and just read our way through a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to tell you where the end verse is, so you have no idea when, it, when it's over, but uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, let's just jump right in tonight. This is a letter that Paul is writing to the Philippian believers, a church that he started, and he writes this, Philippians 1, verse 1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. You know, as I was reading this myself, and just, I, I, I couldn't get much farther than that. I just saw this word, slaves. I think it's really interesting that that's how Paul describes himself. He doesn't describe himself as Paul and Timothy, the followers of Jesus. You know, Paul and Timothy, you know, great people in the kingdom of God. I'm writing the Bible, you know. Like, he, he does not he say any of those things. He just simply says, I, I'm a... I'm not a somebody as much as I'm a slave or a bondservant of Christ. And that bondservant, that slave, is, is one who willingly gives up his own will for somebody else. One who just simply is not consumed with his own interests, but consumed with the interests of others. And As I read that, I was like, man, would I describe myself as that? And I sat and I pondered. Is my, is, my, is my response to what Christ has done for me, yeah, I'm, I'm gratefully and willing to be your bondservant. Paul moves on in Philippians 1, the rest of the verse. He says, Paul and Timothy were slaves of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people. Some say, I'm writing to the saints that are in Ephesus. And, uh, you know, as I read that, I'm like, it's interesting. He describes himself as a slave, but he writes about them as saints. And I don't know about you, like, if he was writing to the saints in Balmoral today, how many of you would believe him? Yeah. Some of you would, because you've been here long enough to know that, yeah, if you're a follower of Christ, he calls you a saint. But maybe you're thinking, wait, Paul, how, how do you know they're all saints in Philippi? You haven't been there? Maybe, Paul, how do you know they're all saints in Balmoral? You don't know the new people. <laughs> and if you're the new people tonight, Paul would simply say, you know, Paul would just simply say this: I don't need to know them, their past, their behavior. I don't need to know any of them. I need—I I know Him who has made them holy. I know the one who has made them holy, and if He could do it for me, I trust that He's doing it for you. He's doing it for them, and uh, he, he says, like Paul would describe and explain in other ones, He's like, you're not a saint because of what you do. It's not your behavior that matters as much as this thing right here. Has it been changed? Has it truly been changed? Not here, not like, oh, I believe something, but has the heart been changed? Because if it has, he calls you a saint. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 10, verse 10 and verse 14. He says, God's will is for us to be what? Made holy. That's God's will for us to be made holy or to be made into saints by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. He gives you the answer. That's how it happens. There's nothing with what we've done. It's like it's by the sacrifice of Jesus on that cross that he did once for all time. A few verses later, he says this. "Is because that one offering that he, uh, that he forever made perfect, those who are being made holy. And he simply, he simply gives you this, this past um, per- perfect tense of the word perfect. It means it, something's been completely done in you. You've been perfected in Christ and maybe you're like, well, wait, I, I don't know if I feel perfect tonight. Show of hands, how many of you feel perfect? I can't even put my own hand up for that. I don't feel perfect. And, and that's where Paul's like, he's like saying, hey, you are perfected in Christ, but he's still, he's still sanctifying. He's still making, um, making you holy. You're being made holy. Jesus sacrificed once and for all. Like, it doesn't have to be redone. It's done. You are perfected in him. But he's working it out in your life. And he comes back to, comes back to that. But what is he saying? He's like, you're saints, so I want you to think like a saint. I want you to act like a saint. I, I want you to live like a saint. So many people have never realized that they've been changed, that you're no longer a sinner, that you are a saint. And he's giving you that, that thought, and they're like, ah, o- okay. I, I, I have something not to just to aspire to. This is who I am something's changed on the inside. I'm not who I once was. And Paul comes back to that in a moment, but I I love how he writes it. He writes, to all God's saints, and we'll just say in Balmoral, he says in Philippi, to all God's saints. And then he says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and the deacons. (laughs) You know, I'm like, what? Most of us would think, Paul, you should start with them. Right? People look at the guy, oh, the guy on stage, like, he's closer to God than me. People are like, hey, can you pray? Because I think God hears your prayers more than mine. Hogwash! That's, the, that's all I'm allowed to say on <laughs> It's not true. It's not true. Even Paul doesn't believe that. He's like, man, you're the saints. Oh, yeah, and those other guys on stage, they are too. All those leaders, they, they, they are too. But he, he, he makes sure that we realize that this letter wasn't for leaders. It was for believers. And that includes us today. But he'll also come back to that in a moment. Here's verse 2. It says this. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And I love those two words. Just grace and peace. I don't know about you, but, man, I love when I experience those two things. And that's what he says. I pray that you would. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, and he's going to come back to that in a minute, so we'll go there in in a minute. He says, when I pray... I make my requests for all of you with joy. Like Paul's praying for these other believers. He says, why? Because you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Verse 6. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you. Who started it? Not a trick question. God began the good work within you. He's like, he will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ returns. He's at work in us. See, when I I ask you, how many of you feel perfect? Like, oh, I don't feel there yet. And some of you are like, well, because I don't feel perfect, all of a sudden it's those thoughts. Maybe God's angry at me, or maybe it didn't take, or or there's all of these these doubts that want to cloud your mind. But Paul's writing, hey, for the true believers, the ones who you've been changed on the inside and you know it, he's like, God's at work. He is continuing to, and he will continue to until the day of Christ. He's not done with you yet. I was going to say, God ain't done with you yet, because maybe you'll remember that. So let's say it together. God ain't done with me yet. You. God ain't done with me yet. Thanks for not saying you. That was good. You know, God ain't done with me yet. You know, uh, we sing that song, Waymaker, and uh, I absolutely love that tune. I was doing dishes the other, the other day, and I had my phone sitting up there, and I put Waymaker on, and uh, I was listening to, uh, to the words I told my one of my children. Uh, that I was like, man, this is... They, they hate it when I point them out, so I can't. So I can't tell you which one. Um, but she is uh, wonderful. And um, so, so I'm playing this, this song, and it's like, man, I just love this song. Because it's, it's those lyrics, you never stop, you never stop working. And she's like, yeah, Dad, you love that because it's about you. And I was like, what? And she's like, you're always working, right? I was like, ah, no, it's not why I love it. But that little still small voice kicks in to say, ah, I've got to spend some more time with you know hope, You know, but I... I, I I, I love that song, but I love the truth of it. He never stops working. It's almost like the slow cooker, where you you put the uh, f- like I'm going to speak totally from not from experience right now, where you put the something in the slow cooker and you let it cook and it it marinates and it's slowly the scent fills, the aroma fills the room until it gets to that perfect flavor. It, it's you know if you look in you know in the first half hour it's not done yet, and some of us you're so tempted to look at you now and be like oh. And he's like, I'm not done yet. I'm working. I'm working. But the question is, is it true? Is it true? I would, for many of us, we, 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 we want to agree with that statement. Say, yeah, I believe that's true. God's always working. He never stops working. Song sings it. Scripture says it. But is it experientially true for you? Is it experientially true for me? So here's the question. What's he doing in my life lately? What is he doing in your life lately? like if you become a believer in Christ had that 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 experience where like man I once was a sinner and now I'm saved I once was lost but now I'm found I remember what that was like it wasn't like this singular moment it was a number of moments where the light came on I was like I need Jesus and I don't deserve him but he he accepted me and he, he changed me and I know that I'm loved. And, and I can look back to that moment in a greenhouse where I was working picking tomatoes and I, just, I was just consumed by the, the, the fact that Jesus loved me. And I start crying because that's what I do. Uh, and then I hit the ground. I'm on my knees in the greenhouse. I'm just like, I don't know what else. to God, I'm just so thankful, so grateful that you love me. That something happened in my life. And then my boss goes by and like, not going to ask. I'll just pay him less, deduct an hour. I don't pay for tears. But I don't know what he said or what he thought. But I just, I just know that moment that something had happened. But, but here's the thought. That, that, that was 25 years ago. What has God done in my life lately? And a lot of times that's the question we ask. God, what have you done for me lately? But that's not really what we're asking. How have you experienced him at work in your life? Because the first part is like, I'm going to save you, I'll perfect you, you're loved, but now let's get to work. Now let's get to work on what's going on inside of here. What have you learned from the word lately? You're like, "Uh, wait, what? I think I learned that two weeks ago. Doesn't count. What have you learned from just opening scripture and like, God, I want to know you. And it's like, boom, it jumps off the page. You're like, this is amazing. If I pass the mic around, how many of you be like, "Yep, I can, I can right now, right now, I can just." This is what God has been teaching me. I love it when you come up to me afterwards. Barry does it often, actually. He'll come up and say, "Hey, this, I had this dream. This is what God is showing me." I, I, I love that. I, I love when people is like, "Hey, the Lord, he just, he just illuminated this story for me." Like Brian did last week. There's these things of where it's like I'm listening for him, and he's speaking. What have, what have you learned lately? What have I learned lately? You know, what, how have you grown as a Jesus follower lately? So, you know, a couple weeks ago, my buddy came over from about uh, from Nova Scotia. His name's Peter. Pete, I know you're probably watching online. I hope you are because I'm talking about you. But uh, he came over and uh, he came to our house and he's like, man, I haven't been here in a long time. I was like, so What's new? And he looks around, he's like, oh, the pond is new. And I was like, well, that was like a year and a half ago, two years ago. And he looks, he's like, oh, those evergreens, they weren't there. The garden's new. You know, the walkway's new. I'm like, well, that was a week ago. But stuff is like, it's new. And it's, he's, he noticed all of these changes since the last time he had been in my house. And I thought, that's an interesting picture for us. Because what if somebody could just look at my life and say, Peter, what do you notice different about me? Can you see that there's more of a passion for the Lord? Can you see that in my life? Is there something there that you're like, oh, there's something different about you. And you know it when you see it in somebody, no? Like I keep talking about my friend Jesse, but I've seen something change in his life so drastically that it's like it is obvious to see what's happening, what God is doing in his life. It's not always that obvious, but there should be something. Sometimes a slow cooker's cooking so slow, nothing's happening. And we sit in our pews and we just keep going. And I'm like, man, we just got to shake that up, That that can't happen here. That can't happen here. Maybe that'll be a new our, our new saying. Let's say it together. That can't happen here. That can't happen here. Come on, like you mean it. That can't, happen here. that can't happen here. This cannot be the place where we slowly cook ourselves into oblivion of like m- allowing our, us to be just satisfied with services and whatever else. Where we we've just f- have lost that, that desire to hear his voice, to know him. I was talking to my brother-in-law, Jamie, a while back. And we were just talking about you know, the great mission stories from way back when. And he said to me, he's like, Mark, he says, I'm kind of tired that, I, I'm tired of telling the stories from 20 years ago. He's like, I, I want the faith stories, like, I want to tell some faith stories where I had to trust God, like, a week ago. He said, I, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know that I have many of them. And I thought, you know what, I wonder how many of those I have as well. I remember when we planted Kingsway, and we, like, man, we're on a shoestring budget, and we got, like, leaky roofs and, like, uh, mouse-infested basement, and we're like, <laughs> it's going to take a miracle, you know? And the people across the road were like shaking their heads, man, that building eats churches, we give you a year. And we're like, we're going to trust God. And, and we're in, and, and, and here we are. But then you get into that spot. like, well, we don't have to trust God anymore. We got this. You know, we know how to do this. We can do it Sunday. We can do Saturday. We, we're good. Like, no, I want to believe God for something better. I want to believe God for great things. So what's happening in your faith life right now? How would you answer that question? You know, living on the faith of yesterday, that eventually gets old. It's like stale bread. It's just like, you know, it's, it's bread, but it's, it's not the thing. So do you see God working in you? You sing the song, he never stops working. But do you see him working in you? Because my, my, my challenge for me is that the, the distractions are everywhere, and my eyes aren't looking at what he's doing in my life and when his eyes aren't on, it's like unfinished business. You like, it's like you mow half the lawn, or you like paint half the house, or you clean half your room. Or, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you come back later, and you're like, oh. And sometimes I think those kind of things happen in our life. He's working on something, but then psh, we're gone. Netflix is calling, or whatever it may be. You know, so Paul's reminder to us is that God is working, and he's going to keep working in your life until he's finished working in you. So don't lose heart. He ain't done with you yet. He ain't done with you yet. Philippians 1, verse 7 and 9. Paul says this, so it's right that I should feel as I do about all of you because you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. And then he comes back to that thought of prayer again. Verse 9, he says, I pray. What does does he pray? He says, man, every time I pray for you, I'm, I'm praying that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. You know, in light of the fact that God's still working, his, this is his prayer. And it's his prayer for believers. So it would be the prayer for you guys in the pews to, or seats tonight. You know, oh, and this is his prayer for you. Whoever's phone that was, this is his prayer for you. <laughs> you know, I pray, even for those listening online, this is his prayer for you. Is that, that your love would overflow. And I read that over and over. Just thought, man, that, that, that prayer that our love would overflow. I mean, consider the world we live in right now. Man, I, when I look around, I see a world starving for love. I do. I see people who are like reaching out in all kinds of ways. I hear story after story of people who are looking for love in all the wrong places. They wouldn't say that, but if you go back to the cause of what the decisions they made, you know, the, the, the things that, they, that, they're, that they're doing or have done, where people are looking for <laughs> others' acceptance, all these things are like, why do they need that acceptance so much? Because there's some love missing here. You know, there's, there's ones who, who uh, look for approval from everybody else. Like, oh, as long as everybody else approves of me, then it, what is it? It's like I'm looking for this love. A- extramarital affairs happening, you know, in the church, in the pulpit. Not this one. Uh, but in other places and, you know, in, in society as a whole. Man, it's like, why? Because something is missing deep down in here You know, we've had this, you know, this thing in our culture where it's just look for love. But can I tell you, you're never going to find love in another person. Teenagers, you know, you're like, oh, I just can't wait to find that person. They will not do it for you. And all the married people said... Okay, I should have said they will not do it for you every time, right? They're not—they're not going to be able to fill that void, that desire for love in you every time. I thought about having some glasses of water here, you know, and you pour—you you have two glasses half full of water, you pour one into the into the other. What happens to this one? It's empty. It's empty. And we have marriages that do that all the time. It's like, oh, this is my needs or these are my desires, and it's like, okay, I'm going to try and meet that, and then you got empty. Well, empty all of a sudden draws on the other, and then you've always got somebody empty. And that was never his design. He's like, I want you both to be overflowing with love. And guess what? You're not going to get it from the other person. You're not going to get it from the puppy. You're not going to get it from your kids. You're not going to get it from your BFF. None of them have that ability to satisfy the emptiness on the inside. You know, reality TV shows that are so far from reality... Uh, but they all have love as their underlying thing. The Bachelor and Bachelorette have been trying for decades <laughs> to, like, this is what love looks like. Here here we go. You know, and then we got, like, love is blind where people sit in rooms, can't see each other, and then have to propose to one another. Dumbest idea ever. And then they have, well, not maybe not, because the next one's even worse. Love Island, if you've heard of Love Island. Love Island's been around for a while. But you know what's super sad about it? Love Island, uh, it, you just even the last couple of years, they've lost three of their cast members to suicide. And one of them lost their boyfriend 20 days later to suicide as well. Why? Because there's a great emptiness. It's like, it doesn't matter what you call it, it's not going to fill that emptiness. It, it, it just can't. You know, I think a lot of the mental health issues we have in our world today stem from this that there's, a, there's an emptiness on the inside this, that's rooted in a lack of love. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I think we could sure use some people overflowing with love in our culture today. Would you agree? And that's what Paul's saying. That's my prayer for you, that that would be you, the ones who are overflowing with love. How does that happen? Paul says this, you know, that his desire would be that we understand that we are loved. You know, read about John 3, 16. For God so? The world that he gave his only son. For God so loved you that he gave his son for you. Do you believe that? Then he says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated. He means he showed off his love for you that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. How many of you have like, you know, like, yeah, I was a sinner, and sometimes I still do. And he's like, yeah, you know what, I, I, that's why and when I died for you. It wasn't dependent on you. Romans 5, verse 5, he says, we know how much God dearly loves us. Why? Because he gave his spirit to fill our hearts with his love. See, I think this might be one of the things we miss, is that we're just like, Holy Spirit, would you fill me with you? Would you fill me with you? Because with him comes love personified. And that's what Paul's saying. My prayer is that that love would overflow. How does it happen? How does it happen? How does anything overflow? You know, we have uh, uh, this little tap in our house that gives, uh, like, the drinking water. And uh, someone who won't be named, but I'm married to her, left the kettle open uh, underneath the tap and decided to go and do something else quickly and come back, except quickly turned into never. And so (laughs) there was water everywhere, on the counters, in the drawers, in the cabinets underneath, on the floor, like, overflow everywhere. But why? Why? Why did it overflow? That kettle never overflowed before. What decided, why did it decide to rebel and all of a sudden overflow everywhere this time? Why did it overflow? Because it was connected to a source of water. As long as the source was running, it was overflowing. And, you know, that's in the negative, but in the positive, it's exactly the same for us. That Jesus' followers will never overflow with the love of Christ unless we're connected daily, continually to him. Not to services, not to like, not to devotionals, not to songs, to Jesus, to him. We can get, we can lose that in a place like this. We think we're there, but Christians leave and go home so empty because they never got him. And my heart is right in that spot that I just want us to know him. As I read before that you might experience how wide, how deep, how great his love is. Man, I'm facing tough stuff. But man, he loves me. He loves me. I'm convinced of it. Not because I know it here, but because something happened here. You know, let me read those verses again. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand as all God's people should. Not that they all do, but they should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you, what's that word? Experience. Experience. Because it's different when you experience it. We can't know it here. The time for that is long gone. The world needs a church who goes out and It's like, I don't have all the right answers, but I got him. I might not know all the things to tell you, but I can give you Jesus. I know him. I know his love. It's changed my life. May you experience the love of Christ that's too great to understand fully, but you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God that doesn't happen in the head. Let's just pray and Holy Spirit, let that happen in our hearts. Philippians one verse nine, and then we have two verses to go. He says, "I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. So his prayers is that you'd be overflowing, and his prayers that you would be growing more and more like this abundance of it, it just keeps happening. You know, the, the, the thought that you could say, "I am so loved by him that I can love my spouse, regardless. I am so loved by him that I can love my teenager." I am so loved by him that I, I can even love my parents. I'm so loved by him, I can love my neighbor. I'm so loved by him that I can love my enemy. When Jesus says, man, love your enemy, he's not expecting you to do it. He's expecting you to allow him to fill you with his love. But what does that take? That wide open, God, I, I need you. That growing, that growing that that's continually coming out, that's a sign of his continued work in you, where you're like, God, keep working. God, I, I'm going to keep coming to you and keep working. I was thinking about this. You know, babies. Do, uh, do we have that picture of the baby? I told Zay. Oh, Zane, good job. <laughs> uh-huh. Babies are so cute, but they're just so useless. <laughs> I know. That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> but go with me here on this for a second. Think about this baby's value is inherent just in the fact that this is a baby. Nobody doubts the value of this child. But... He's wearing army fatigues. How useful do you think he's going to be on the battlefield? Useless. Dead weight. A problem. I mean, maybe a good distraction. Hey, look, a baby. You know, but, but other than that, there's, there's nothing there. Why do we say this? Why do I say this and why do I show this? Because, you know, in the kingdom of Christ, he's raising up a spiritual army. That is what the church is called to be, is to be an army in a, in a spiritual battle to make disciples. It is like, this is for, like, hardcore. This is the thought of, like, I want you to know me and to help others know me as well. First Peter 2, Peter writes this to the new believers. He's like, desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow He's like, as newborn babies, they desire the milk, of the, and you should desire the milk of the world so you'll grow. Paul writes the Corinthians later, and he says this. He says, I was hoping you guys could handle meat by now, but I still have to give you milk, he says, because you're not growing. And that's what Paul's desire and prayers for the Philippians. He's like, man, I just want you guys to grow. I, I don't want you stuck kind of in that coasting mode. You know, how strange is it when a newborn baby is born and they have no appetite? What happens? The doctor's like, something is wrong with this child. But how strange is it when a person comes to Christ and they have no appetite for his word, no desire to know him? Have they really been born again? Paul, I believe it's Paul who says, you know, examine yourself to find out if you're in the faith. Like, is there something in there? It's like, oh, God, it's quiet, but there's this, I can hear it now. I I haven't paid much attention, but it's there. I want to know you. Like, Mark, this isn't really, like, nice and frilly and fun to listen to. But it matters more than anything. How about you and how about me? How are we growing? Are we growing? Are you learning to walk in forgiveness? For me, I thought, man, less complaining. More joy. More time in his word. Not just talking about spending time in his word. I'm amazed at how many times I've been in Bible studies where that's what they talk about. Yep, we got to be more in the word. Next week. Yep, greed. Didn't do it last week, but we got to be more in the word, fellas. Three weeks later, how about you? Mm, yeah, but I think we should. I agree we should. And then, you know, I was like, I, I was watching um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean with my kids the other day. And it was like number, number two, there's these two guys in a rowboat, right? And uh, the one guy's reading the Bible, trying to. And his buddy says to him, he's like, you know, you can't read, right? And he's like, well, it's the Bible. You get credit for trying. And I'm like, no, you don't. You know, I was thinking about like Lloyd Christmas, who's like rather said, We're really doing it, eh buddy? We're really doing it. And that's my question to you. Which one of those would you say? You mean, yeah, I'm really doing it. I'm in the Word every single day. I study to know him. I p- just put my heart before him. God, God, I want to know you. God fill me with you, because I'm going into a world that needs you. Where are we really? Where are we really? And maybe that's you tonight, where you're like, "Man, I, I thought it was okay, but if I'm honest, I'm in coasting Christianity." Can I just tell you this? Coasting always ends up with stopping. It always ends up with stopping. You know, I, <laughs> my kids when we're driving over hills, sometimes like, "Dad, take your foot off the gas, take your foot off the gas." We just want to see how far we can coast. Then we coast till the next incline, and then that's it. It always stops, and you're know, the next thing you face. Man, isn't it true that we see so many people, when they face something difficult in their life, that they're going to have to climb, climb up the next, the next hill, the next battle. How many have walked away from faith simply because they were coasting? Man, it's happening all the time. People leave faith because they were just in coasting Christianity and didn't realize it. And if it was true for them, it's true for us. If we're in coasting mode now, we, fi- we may find ourselves in that same place. And so, like my parents used to say, you better step on it. Don't know if the kids know what that means. Better step on it. Perfect. Hit the gas. Why? Because he wants you to grow. Overflow, grow, and finally, no. You know, many in the church today would think the whole thing is it's all about love. As long as we just talk about love. It's just love, love, love. Well, Paul didn't think so. Yes, love was primary. But he says this. He says, I pray that you would overflow in, in, in love more and more and that you will keep on growing in what? Knowledge and understanding, which is the word discernment. He's like, this knowledge is the word epinosis. I remember Brother Wayne always talking about this. It's not, gnosis is knowledge and knowing about something. Epinosis is like, I am personally connected to whatever this is. I know it so well. You just ask me about anything and I can tell you. You know people like that. Like, I know about like trees, Like, I know you plant them and they grow. Zane is epinosis about trees. He knows the bark color, the leaf, how many sticks go on each side, whether they're called sticks or not. He just knows them. (laughs) I know, I have knowledge about guitars. I know that they have six strings and I know how to play some chords. Chris Stone has epinosis. You saw that tonight. It's like, what, a guitar can do that? You can if you epinosis it. (laughs) I know, it's terrible English, but you might remember it. So what about the Lord? What about his word? What about truth? Well, I kind of know about God. I hear Mark talk about it. Or do I'm like, no, 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 I, I know him. It doesn't matter. Come hell or high water, I'm, I'm, I'm with him. Because I know him. I don't need you to keep telling me, oh, God loves me. God loves. I know it. I've experienced it. But you may be sitting beside somebody in a pew who's like, man, tomorrow they're going to leave this place. And they're like, I don't think God loves me anymore. It got a little difficult in my life pretty sure he doesn't. Or, oh, I screwed up again. Pretty sure he doesn't love me. There's an epinosis missing. And Paul's like, man, I'm praying for you. That that would grow in you, that you wouldn't be just like, oh, still in that that primary stage, but that you would know that you know. Knowledge of the word, knowledge of the truth, knowledge of the gospel. His prayer for the Ephesians was, I pray that you would have the epinosis of him to know Jesus, to know Jesus for yourself. And that's not like, oh, I know Jesus, I said a prayer. No, it's like, I know him. My, my life is centered around him. I, like Paul, I'm like, God, your will be done in my life. Let's do this. Not a head knowledge thing. You can't get there that way. It, it doesn't happen here on Saturday nights. It only happens when you get into a secret place and say, okay, God, this is me slowing down. Here's my heart. God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you. Because there's no end to knowing him. You can never ask that enough times. The angels in heaven, every time they get a glimpse of him, they're like, "Holy!" And we'd say, you know, we sing the song, "Holy, holy, holy," because it's written, you know, three times. What they didn't have in scripture was the bold button. So when they wanted something to be loud, it was double. So like, "Holy, holy," was actually "Holy," and you can imagine what triple is. <laughs> I won't do it for your ears' sake. But can you just picture that? That's the angels in heaven just every time they get a glimpse of him. Just to know him a little bit more. (gasps) And they throw themselves on the ground. It's like he is incredible. I think about it like this. How many would go to Disney World and say, I went to Disney World. And you stopped at the sign where you go in and then left. How many of you would say, you know, you get married and you stay in the chapel. And you hold on to your marriage certificate. And you're like, I'm married. Oh, I've been sitting here for 25 years. I'm married. See, here's the proof. You'd never do that. How many of you would buy a new car and then park in the driveway? And never drive it. You wouldn't do that. Why? We, we, we don't do that with anything of value. And yet, we're so tempted to do that with him. Every one of us is like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Have I talked to him lately? I'm a Christian. Been in his word lately. Uh, but I'm a Christian. Prayed, God stir up desire in my heart for you and for the lost. No, no but but I'm a Christian. Let us not deceive ourselves. Let us not deceive ourselves. I believe that's why Paul would write this. He's like, man, I'm praying that this would stir in you. And says, you know, in Hebrews 11, 6, he says, but it's by faith. Those who believe that God exists and those who diligently seek him are the ones he rewards. And what does he reward? With the fact that you can know him. And, man, I, I, it's where I, I believe our church needs to be in this next season. Between now and the fall, winter, whatever, where we've got some breathing room to be together, may have stirred that passion up and you say, God, I want to know you. May Holy Spirit stir that up in your hearts of wherever you find yourselves, like, man, I got I to gotta sneak away from gardening because, God, I just want to spend some time with you. I just want to know you. Man, it, it can change our lives. Philippians 1, verse 10, 11, the last verses. for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. It's not something we're trying to do. I just want to know you. You do it in me. And this will bring much glory and praise to who? God, because it's about him. It's always been about him. It's always about him and that reminder for us. What really matters? Let me leave you with that thought tonight. Have you, have you considered what really matters in life? Maybe you're not a Jesus follower here. you like, uh, I'm I, not sure what I think about all this. Have you considered what really matters in your life? Is it the house? Does it really matter? What about the car? What about the job, the success, the approval, The fame, whoever gets elected, the Leafs, does it really matter? Is it the wife? Sorry, I'm not supposed to refer to her as that. Is it your wife? Your husband? Is it your kids? Is it your friends? Is it your family? Is it the fans? Is it fame? Does that matter? Does that matter? Because we often invest so much of our time and energy into things that don't really matter, but because we never slow down to ask ourselves, what really matters in life. Can I say this? That the one thing that really matters in this life is being ready for the day that this life ends. The one thing that matters in this life is being ready for the day when this life ends. And guess what? It's gonna happen to all of us. And we don't know when. You might get a diagnosis from a doctor that you know doesn't give you a lot of time. You could have a heart attack. I just got contacted from a person who's been new to our church and she just said, I can't come for the next couple of weeks. I had a heart attack. I'm like, oh man. Like, I'm so glad that she's begun, you know, coming here and given her life to Christ. You know, and then I'm, like, thinking about an accident, you know, on the way home from today. It's all, it's done. We don't know when that is. And so here's what Jesus simply says about what really matters. Last verse for tonight, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the ones who are following him, the ones who are with him, this is is to the people here tonight. He's like, listen, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must say a prayer and go to church every weekend. Oh, wait, no. If any of you wants to be my follower, (laughs) give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it because everyone does. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? What a powerful question. Is anything worth more than your soul? No, I agree. All the things we might live for and pursue, there's nothing worth more than this. And that's what he says. You know, what would you give and trade for your soul? I'd give it all. I'd give everything. You can have it all if I can have this back. You know, it's that that same thing of if you give up your life. He's not like, hey, if you die for me, you might. But the more likely is that the the, the statement is, if you'll live for me, meaning you're my master now. God, I, I... you're it i'm going to check in with you regularly to see what you desire for my life i'm going to stay connected to you because knowing you is what this whole thing is all about uh, whom to know is life eternal and that i will be the one who you know i think it goes in opposite order it's the, that knowing him causes growing in him which results in overflowing of his love in your life so i guess that question that we start with is how well do you know him Maybe, you, maybe you're like here and you're like, man, i gotta, I got I to gotta give my life to Christ. You can. He's calling you. Say simply that, to give your life to him, to know him, to just simply know him. Man, and to just continue to allow that to grow. And I believe, I believe that that will overflow in your life into the lives of others. Let's pray tonight. Father, I, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for Paul's opportunity to write these things down. They, just, they, they speak so strongly to us. Thank you that you are the word, the word of life. Tonight, Jesus, that, that is my prayer, that you would help us to hear your voice through this. Truly, sometimes to uh, wake us up to where we really are, to encourage us to take the steps and where we need to go. God, the, to lay that out clearly for us and just to remind us that we're walking it with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, that we can know you. Jesus, the price of that is, it's incredible, and we're grateful for it. Lord, I pray as we leave from this place, we'd truly be aware of the fact that we aren't leaving you anywhere, that you are with us everywhere. I pray that we would turn our hearts that we are with you in many more of those moments, consciously, intentionally. You are a master. You are a king. You are Lord of all. Grateful for the opportunity to serve you and others. In your name, and may you be glorified. I pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. Well, I have some questions I'd love for you to take home. Maybe you're going to hang out here, but it's pretty hot. Maybe you'll we'll hang out in the parking lot and just uh, chat about some of these things. But why do we do this? We do this simply that gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to dig a little deeper People in in North America are so used to, like, go to church, we hear something, we go home, and we forget all about it. But he doesn't want that. He wants to do something deeper in our hearts. So what is it? What jumped out of you from today's talk? Uh, That's the one we always ask, because it could be anything. The second is, where have you seen God at work in your life in the past? Where are those moments you're like, man, this is what he's done in my life. I, I knew it was God. And then, how long ago was that? What has he done in your life recently? And then, third, do you have a healthy hunger to know God more? Or when we were talking about that tonight, you might, like as a friend of mine, saying to me this week, I feel kind of dead inside. Or do you have that, like, no, it's, it's there. Like, I, I want to know him. I feel too busy, but no, it's there. I want to know him. Why or why not? And then finally, in what areas of your life are you coasting? What areas of your life have you like, yeah, you know what, to be honest, uh, I've just kind of been like not paying much attention to that. I'm just just cruising. And do you want to be? And Why? And I pray that, you know, through that, if you have the opportunity to chat with somebody else about it, it's always great that you can pray about it together. Just simply pray about it. You're like, I don't know what words to pray. Just open your Bible to Ephesians 3 and pray verses 17 to 19 over the other person. I pray that they would experience the love of God, which is too great to understand fully. I pray that they would know the height, the depth, the width. Man, I don't know about you, but I would take that prayer every single day. I pray you've been encouraged tonight. I believe Holy Spirit will walk with you through this week, stir these things up in your life. And man, take the time just to spend some time with him. You will not regret it. Have a fantastic week. We'll chat soon.